Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. We predominantly will work just through a book in the Bible. We will just kind of pick a book and just chew our way through it. We are in the book of 1 Corinthians. We paused that to spend a little bit of time talking about what we believe God is commanding us to do, what God is, is asking of us to do as a church. Because as fun as it is to have this nice, big, new facility where we can enjoy space, there's a tendency in a lot of just Christians in general to, to kind of hit unintentionally hit cruise control. We can kind of see the fact that, okay, God has brought us to a space. We've, we've seen him use the talents and the gifts and the finances of many people to make this space happen. And okay, we've arrived. Let's just stop and let's just, let's just not go any further. And that is what we want to push against. We believe uh, that God is doing something for his glory through us and that he's decided to, to keep us going. And so we're going to faithfully give ourselves to doing that. And so what we've been doing for the last few weeks is talking specifically about what we believe God has commanded us to do as a church and how that's just not going to shift the fact that we're going to stay true to that, we're going to continue to give ourselves to that, and we're going to keep pushing through that. And so we've been looking through the book of Matthew out of chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, um, you can turn with me there, Matthew chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, you can slip your hands up and the ushers will grab one for you. Whether you're visiting today to just celebrate with us or this is, this is where you believe Christ has you as a church, as an extension of his church, we believe that this is important for all of us to understand. And so the last few weeks, we've been talking about our name as a church, Revolution 22. And again, not so that we can understand and make our name great, but because we wanted to remind everyone that our name is about bringing glory to Jesus Christ and to his his purposes. And so we talked about a few weeks ago about how there was a need for a revolution to happen. The, even when you look at the Old Testament sacrificial system, there was this, this people just like just grasping for finding ways to be right before God and that, that God needed to do something to right side up things. He needed to do something to bring about a, a people that wasn't just this sacrificial system of doing the, the animals over and over and over again. They needed one true sacrifice for all time. And that's where Jesus Christ came. And so Jesus Christ begins a revolution. He, he, he sets in motion a revolution, uh, an uprising against the governing forces that, that cannot be defeated, and no one will ever undo his or re, re-revolutionize him until he comes back. And so we just talked about our part then is to just play a part in that, just to, to, to be the salt and light in this world, to, to go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, this is our role. We just take part in what Jesus has already begun, and we do it as, as well as we can with the Spirit and faithful as possible. And then when He shows up again, we celebrate with Him. And last week, what we did is we talked about how we take part in that is out of Matthew 22. This idea that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourself. And, and last week, we talked about how it seems a little weird because the, the you shall love comes across as a command. And it's like, why would God ask us of this way? Why would He do it this way? And so last week, we kind of unpacked the idea that God, God not only asks us or commands us to, to love Him because, A, He knows who we are and how we were created. And He says that our joy will be complete when we remain in His commandments that you'll experience a true joy. But then we went even further and realized that it's not just for us that he does that. It's also because we have been loved so incredibly well by God, the natural response is to love back. Not out of some obligatory way of like, oh, I should really love God. It's like, no, he has loved me so well through what Jesus Christ has done. It, it just makes sense for me to want to love him back. I've experienced a love that is so profound and so big and so amazing through what he did through Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news, 
of Him, it, it just compels me to want to live for Him. And this week, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into how we are to love God. And this is hopefully, again, as we see this, and the next week, kind of all together, we'll stay true, recognizing that we aren't changing the channel. We aren't calling out a new mission. We're going to stay true to this all the way through. This is the same thing we've been saying for the last almost eight years, and we just believe God wants us to continue to press into this. So Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40 is where I am reading. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the, greatest, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and, all the, and, and the prophets. And so Jesus, we had talked about this last week, so I'm not going to go into too much, but he, he answers it very correctly to Mosaic law and Jewish tradition, and we, we, we understand that he's doing this. But here now he tells us, okay, once we've established that we are to love God, he now says, well, here's how you are to love him. We know that loving God is by keeping his commandments. We see that in, in John. But he says, this is specifically the love he's looking for. And so he starts with saying, I want you to love me with all of your heart. Normally in the New Testament, this would mean the center of all things. That's predominantly how this word is translated in the New Testament. It seems a little redundant here, so it almost seems like this is more of a true-heartedness or uprightness. Basically to say our affections are completely on him more strongly than anything else. And to be willing to give up all that we hold dear at his commands. So this is, a, this is the idea that you're going to love God in a way that everything that you hold dear, whether it's your spouse or your kids or your life or, or your stuff, every single thing will not take your affection from God. You will give all of your affection to God. That, so that, that's what he's saying. To love God with all of your heart is to put all of your affection on him. There's no money. There's no relationship. Nothing will take precedence over it. Our affection is on God. That's what it means to love God with all of your heart, to give him every single affection you have. He goes on and says to love him with all your soul. In this section, it, it kind of means life, or will you give yourself to him? All the comforts that come from this world given up for the honor of God. Your life will be lived for him. And, and this part of the world, predominantly, we don't have to experience the idea of giving up our life to follow Christ. But we have brothers and sisters around the world today that that is a reality that they live. Are they going to give their life for Christ, or are they going to denounce Christ? That's, that's a, command, a question that many believers will experience or feel around the world. We don't necessarily get to that or feel that all the time. So maybe it's, um, maybe the best way we could say this is, would you be willing to give your life, your, your identity to Christ? I mean, like everything that you are, every, everything that you are, your life is no longer yours to live, but you now live for him. To love God with all of your souls, to, to live your life for him, to, to give up your identity. You don't, you don't establish yourself in what you do or who you're married to. You establish yourself as I'm identity. I'm, I'm rooted in Christ and my life is no more. His is mine and that's who I am. Loving God with all your soul is to give your life completely to him. And he says to love God with all your mind. This is an idea that this consumes all of your thoughts. We see in 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought captive. This takes understanding or loving God just kind of blindly and takes it out and says, no, there's actually a thinking. There's an intelligence to loving God. It's to fixate your thinking on Him. It's to, to having our minds continually fixed on God, acknowledging Him in all our ways, begins, continues, and ends all our thoughts, words, all to the glory of His name. To fix your minds on Him is to, to believe and to think about Him. You wake up, you think about Him. 
You, you go to work, you think about how can he be glorified in my work. Your, your thoughts are fixated on him. This is what it means to love God with all of our mind. And then the gospel of, of Luke and Mark adds strength. And so we're going to cover this as well. It says you should love God with all of your strength. This is essentially sparing no labor or cost sacrificing our time, our body, our health, ease for the honor of God. All our services, talents, power, credit, authority, and influence, everything that we have, we are fervently going after to love God. And this is what it means to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, how are we doing on that? And most of us, if we hear this, we're like, man, I, I don't, my, my mind's not fixated on him. I think about many other things. In fact, I find myself fearfully or, or running through scenarios as a control thing in my mind sometimes. Or, or many of us are like, man, I, I don't think, like, I want to say that I would live for him, but man, I don't know. Like, like, you look at the way I live my life, and it doesn't seem like there's much love for God there. God bless you guys. Have a good day. Study that, chill on that some more. <laughs> now we're going to stop. No, we'll go further. See, I believe, that, I believe that there is a way for us to do this, but I think many of us have lost sight on what it means to love God in our lives. Many of us view this idea of loving God or even the gospel of Jesus Christ as, as a one-time event that we just move on from. Okay, I understand that I'm supposed to do those things. Okay, I'll move on. I give up. Or, or many of us, we hear this right now. We're, we see it as so impossible that we just, just disconnect. We withdraw. Right now, even in your hearts and your minds, you're just distancing yourself, thinking about something later today. Because like, it's just never achievable. And I'm tired of feeling guilty for what I can't do. And so you just kind of let go. Many of us, we spend a lot of time fearful that we aren't loving God. And so we spend so much effort and energy trying to love God that we forget that there's a, actually a way to just be with God. And so we start doing and doing and doing. And I think that there's actually a way in which we can achieve this very thing, where we can say with a clear conscience, God, I am yours, and you see it in my life, not just by looking at the things and the ways with which we've fallen short of soul or mind or strength or heart. And so we're going we're gonna to look at that today. If you will, look at me. Galatians 5, through 25 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Aren't you guys glad I didn't ask how we're doing on that list, huh? Real quickly before I move forward, if you are in here and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, given Him as Lord, you, you will strive your whole life to try and find peace or patience, and you will never achieve it. This is a gift that's given to us through the Spirit of God. The Bible teaches that when we surrender our life to Jesus as Lord and Savior, that His Spirit takes up residence in us, and His Spirit is who does this work. His Spirit is what brings love, joy, peace, patience, or self-control out of me. It's not my own self-control. That's an exhaustible resource. The Spirit of God is what brings out these attributes and these things. And He says there's a way in which we've died to our old flesh, and now we are a new flesh. This is the new creation that we were created in Christ. We achieve this not by our works, but by what he has done in us, in pursuing us. So we, we have this spirit now that can bring about joy and peace and patience and kindness. These are all things that we can walk in. The idea to walk in these isn't literally like physically walking. It's as you go, as you live, everything you do should be exuding and, and joy. And, and when people bump into you, patience should come out. When someone cuts you off, gentleness should come out, right? Like these are the things that just come out of us, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is in us through his spirit and giving us his spirit to do so. And so we get a, we, we're, we're, we're told to be keeping step with the spirit. As you go, don't lose step. Like walk with the spirit. You should never see me. You should see the spirit of God in me. When you're seeing me, I, I've, I'm not in step 
with the Spirit, and that's what he's saying. And I think there's about five things, and again, there's plenty other things we can do, but there's five things I think that if we could just understand these five things, just slightly, I think it would help us understand what it really means for us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So we're going we're gonna to look at a few of these. The first thing that I think we have to do is we have to acknowledge. We have to acknowledge that in our hearts that we are helpless to do good apart from God. This is really important because many of us in here think we're really a big deal. And we think God, like we did God a favor by him saving us. Like look at all the things I'll do for you, God. And we, we, we forget that, that apart from God, we are incapable of doing good. He is the one that brings about good. The standard is holiness. We are not holy apart from God. Therefore, we have to see, we have to acknowledge that, that there is no goodness. Romans 7 says this. Romans seven eighteen says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. If you do a word study on nothing, you know what it comes up as? Nothing. Nothing good dwells in me. For I know this. this is, I know this that is my, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out. Jesus says in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. All we can do is sin without him. So the first step of us walking by the Spirit is to acknowledge that we can't do it without the Spirit of God. To realize that we're not kind of good. We're not almost good. We're not mostly. It's not, God didn't just kind of recorrect us. He brought life. He breathed life into us. And we now can do good, not because of who we are, but because of the Spirit of God that lives in us. The first step to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is recognizing that apart from Him, you can't do it. We have to acknowledge that, surrender to that, to give ourselves to that. Say, okay, I I can't do this on my own. I must and need you, which brings me to the second part. The second thing that we need to do is we need to pray. We need to pray. Danny shared this morning before we prayed for all the services, he says our dependence upon God is shown in how much we pray. We have to be a people that are willing to recognize that we need to ask God for the things that we want so badly. If you feel like, man, I can't love God with any part of my mind, then start asking God, God, help me. Renew my mind. Transform these things. Give me the ability to start thinking about these things. Ezekiel 36, 27 says that God will put his spirit within us and cause us to walk in his statutes. So this is what he's doing. We should be praying for this. We should be asking for this. And then if we, we are praying, we can do a prayer like the author of Hebrews 13, 20 says. It says, Now may the Lord of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. See, we, we can pray, God, I want, I want you to, to, to equip me, to give me. Would you, would you do the very things that you're commanding of me? Because that's the only way I'm going to achieve them. Because again, go back to step one. Apart from him, I can't do it. There's no, there's no muscling your way through it. There's no faking your way through it. You will tire out. You will get exhausted. It's him that does it. He's the one that does it. So the second part is, is, is praying, pleading with God. Submit yourself to the dependence you have on him doing the very things that he says he'll do. So first, it's acknowledging that we can't do it. Second, it's asking him to do it, praying for him to do it. And the third step is trust or walking by the Spirit in faith. We have to believe that since we have come under the graciousness of God's Spirit, that sin no longer holds a a strength or a stronghold over us. You know, we we will sing about how how Jesus defeated death and sin, and then we operate in our lives as if this sin is something we're going to carry for the rest of our lives, and there's no way we can get away from it. We have to recognize that it takes faith. It takes us not just seeing that God brought us to salvation, but walking with us through faith. He has given us, he has gifted us faith, and many of us just need to ask God for more faith. 
takes faith, believing God, trusting Him. You want to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You want to live a life that brings Him glory? Then walk within the faith which He has gifted you. Faith isn't us understanding us like some kind of like thought pattern, just change my mind, okay, I'll just think about it. Faith isn't based on circumstances at all. Faith is based on His promises. We have faith because of who He says He is and who He is, and we can walk by faith because He has gifted us this. You want to walk in step with the Spirit? It takes faith. It takes faith. Not any other willpower on there, but faith. It's a quick side note. I'm not sure why sometimes the timing of the Holy Spirit's work can happen in a day for some people and years in others. And I can understand we can get impatient. I think that's why one of the gifts of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. We won't ever know that. But it's still the faith recognizing that despite how long it takes, despite your circumstances, God's promises are valid and, ru- and true and real for you. It takes faith to walk by the Spirit. The, the step four, and the reason why I put this one last is because my fear is even when I say this one, many of us will, will start trying to do this beforehand. Is, and that is just that we act on it. Many people will, will see that when we, when we follow the Lord, we're like, oh, I can just sit down. He'll just do everything. No, it, it takes us acting out, moving on this. But see, many of us want to start here. We don't want to acknowledge that we need him. <laughs> we aren't going to pray for him to do it. We just want to start doing stuff. You just, I just want to, I want to serve. I want to do these things. I want to go, I want to, go to the nations. I want to go work with, with sex trafficking. I want to do whatever I can. We just do, 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 and we forget that we need to acknowledge that we can't do it without him, that we need him, and it takes faith to do any of these things. So many of us get stuck in this acting, which is why I put it forth on our list. Acting comes long after acknowledging and prayer and faith. To act on it means that we are living out the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the one way that God says that we can judge one another, not condemn, judge, just acknowledge or discern fruit, is, is whether there's fruit in one another. So we should be acting on patience and joy and gentleness and self-control. These things should be happening in our lives. And if you're, you're in your marriage, you can look at someone and say, hey, honey, this isn't gentle, like in a very safe way, right? And you say, this isn't gentle. And we, can, we, can, we can talk about those things. We can acknowledge those things. But it takes us acting on it, not just sitting around. Many of us think that we can just sit around and do nothing. I can just go to church and learn about God, but I don't really have to have His Spirit do anything about me making disciples or me being light or salt in this world or me taking the fact that my job has nothing to do with value, but the fact that God has me in this workplace to bring His gospel to these people, to bring His good news to these people. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, By the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them Though it was not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. All our efforts to do what's right is the work of the Almighty God within us. First Peter 4.11 says, Let him who serves serve the strength which God supplies, that in everything God may get the glory. See, we are to work. It takes work and effort. But it's his strength so that he gets the glory, not us. Many of us will, will, will see this and we'll be like, but... I want to do more, but if I don't love God and I'm not doing more, we can start doing this whole salvation thing. We have to remember that, that these works, these acting on the Spirit, isn't how we are saved. It's just proof that we are saved. We don't, we don't do these things to try and establish some kind of salvation. We do these things because salvation is ours in Christ Jesus. This is what acting on it looks like. And then the last thing I think we need to remember when we walk in the Spirit is um, something that's very similar to the first one. Instead of acknowledging that we can't do it on our own, we need to thank Him for Him doing it in us. We need to be more grateful. Gratitude should be a thing that just comes out of us. Anytime something good comes out of us, we should, say, we should thank God for the fact that He created these good deeds in us beforehand. 
These were his works in us. Without the Spirit, we can do no right. Then we must not only ask him for his enablement, but also thank him whenever he does it in us. This is what it means to walk with the Spirit. Loving God wouldn't happen if it were not for him opening our eyes and giving us his Spirit, and then us doing what God commands of us, actually living out and loving God the way he expects of us to do it. He gives us the means to do it through his Spirit. So the very thing that he's asking us to live our lives for, the very thing he's asking us to do is, is something that he's provided a way for which us to do it, which is the Spirit of God. So it's a submission thing. Do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you find yourself being fixated on him with your mind? Do you, do you see how, how walking with the Spirit would bring about more of that? When we do our life on our own, it's really easy to see all the areas that God is small in our minds. It's really easy to, to shift, and when we start doing our own, we can see, oh, I, I did this. I got me this job. I, I, I had this. My wife and I, we made this kid. And we start taking ownership of things that we have no right to own. We established this building. We did it on our own. No, we did not. This was a work of God, us being dependent on him. So we're not going to shift that. We're not going to change lanes. We're not going to shift the vision. We're going to continue to give him the glory, and we're going to continue to strive to love him. There are many ways in which the Lord has confronted me on times in my life where I'm like, man, I have just horrifically failed at loving him in this way. And I've shared this story before, but um, many years ago, about eight years ago, really, to be honest, kind of around planting this church, so I'm, I'm assuming they probably were hand in hand, but I was laying in bed with my wife, and don't worry, we're not going there, just kidding. And I was laying in bed with my wife, and I, my heart was like pounding, and I felt like, I felt like I was having a heart attack. And I was like, hey, honey, I think I'm having a heart attack, and she just gently like, no, you're not, go to bed, and then she falls asleep, okay? So, so there I am, I'm sitting there texting my friend who's an EMT, I'm like, hey, what should my resting heart rate be, and I'm kind of doing one of these numbers, and I'm like, man, I just can't, like, my, my chest is pounding, and I'm like, man, I got some soreness right here, like, all the signs, like, is it, like, placebo, what's going on? And so then, me being the really wise person I was, and too cheap to go to the emergency room, I'm like, I should just get my blood pressure taken, because that will help me answer this. So instead of going to the ER, or calling the doctor, I'm going to go to the, the dock in a box, right? And I'm going to get my blood checked. And so I go to the dock in the box, and I go to get my blood checked, and they're closed because it's 1030 at night. I'm like, oh, it's like 1000 bucks just to walk in the ER for our insurance. So I was like, I can't afford that. I'm a pastor. I make no money. Like, it's not doing it, you know, right? Lord, you're going to have to save me. So I have the brilliant idea of, hey, you know where I can get my blood pressure checked? At Walmart. So at 11 p.m., I walk into Walmart, and I... And I go in the back of the Walmart where the kind of the pharmacy or wherever it is, and they have those little blood pressure machines. And so I sit in there and I do it, and I'm like, man, I don't know what that was right. And I do it over and over and over again. And basically, the blood pressure register is normal. My wife is right, and that's why she was sleeping so peacefully. She has more faith than me. And, and so I'm like, okay, my blood pressure is fine. So I just sit down on the Walmart bench. And I start thinking about, like, man, like, I don't want to die. <laughs> I was like, I want to see my, I had two girls at that moment. I'm like, I want to see them grow up. I want to see them fall in love. I want to see grandbabies, and I, I want to do these things, and I started praying. I was like, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I want to be here. I want to do this, and I, like in a, in a moment, like what, what turned from like gentle, like good-looking weeping is what I assumed it was, right, became an ugly cry real fast in the middle of Walmart because in an instant, I realized that, that this life was more important to me than being with God, and again, there's nothing wrong with me wanting to see my girls get married, and there's nothing wrong with me wanting to have grandbabies. Those are all good things. But when I was faced with the fatality of my life, the potential of my life, which is, by the way, it was a panic attack. I found that out yesterday, the day after the doctor, and he told me, go to the ER next time. Like, those are dangerous. They can turn into heart attacks. So there's nothing wrong with me wanting that. But I realized in that moment, I was confronted. Like, do I, do I value this life more than I value being with God? 
if me saying you get to join in the choir of the seraphim and everyone around, the, around God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and that's all you're going to do for an eternity, you're like, yeah, that sounds really boring, then how do you expect you're ever going to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength here today? We will get confronted on this daily in our lives. You will have this moment where you're going to choose, am I going to walk and step with the spirit of God that he's given me, or am I going to choose my flesh? Am I going to continue to seek after the things of this world? Am I going to forget about the names that we all wrote on the studs around this facility of people that don't know Jesus Christ? Or am I going to give my life to serving God, to seeing them be adopted into his kingdom? To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength means that you will be confronted with your own life and how much you want of it. It means that God is going to push on you. If you have surrendered your life to him, then your life is not your own. It is his it was bought with a price and a very expensive one. How dare we cheapen that? And so as a church, we're going to give ourselves to that. We're going to faithfully push into what does it mean for us to love him with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. We're not going to withdraw from that or draw back. And that may mean at times you're going you're to have to make the choice. Am I going to submit myself to what his word says here? Or am I going to go about it myself? Am I going to give of my space or my time for this individual, or am I just going to be really selfish in it? Am I going to let God use the gifts that he has given me to build up his body, or am I just going to sit in the back and just really go for cruise control because it's so comfortable and I enjoy that? Are you going to be stirred up in good deeds? Are you going to see God's glory be brought to a level in your life where your glory is so small it's not even close this is what it means to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to walk with the Spirit. We need to acknowledge that we can't do it without Him. We need to pray, plead with Him to give us the strength to submit to Him in those decisions, whether it's relational or financial or job front. We need to stop looking for gratitude from people and just thank God for the fact that He's the one that's doing this. We need to act on it. We need to be faithful to Him. This is what it means to love God, and this is what we are going to continue to give ourselves to. The band's going to come up, and we will worship some more, and we're going to worship a song. The song is, I think it's called Lead Me to the Cross, but there's a, there's a thing. It says, lead me to the cross. It's like this idea of God, recognizing, like, God, I need you to take me there, because so many of us, when we view the cross, we see it as a one-time thing. That one time at youth camp, or when I was 13, or 18, or 10 years ago, or two decades ago, that's when the cross played a role in my life, and that is just not true. The cross plays a role in your life every single day. This is why Jesus says, you are to die to yourself daily to follow me. Take up your cross daily to follow me. That's what that means. It's not a fun hipster way to say, like, follow him. It means die to yourself. And so would you plead with him, whether you have, when you hear this today and you're like, man, I have been so far from loving God because I just, I still wrestle with whether or not he loves me. Then drop to your knees. Talk to the person that came with you. Ask questions. If you're here today and you're like, man, I've been following the Lord for so long that I, I kind of lost sight that I'm actually supposed to love him. Like many people do in marriages or with their kids. They just try and provide as opposed to actually love. Is that God is, is, is not, he's not wanting us to, to remove ourselves from those. Maybe it's time to just repent. God, give, forgive me. I want to be yours again. I want to, I want to be used by you. I want, I want your glory to be brought through my life. If you're here today and you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm excited about loving God, but I, just, I, I, I realize like, I, can't, I keep hitting a wall, then I would encourage you to just spend more time in prayer, pleading for God to do what he is, he's pushing on you, what he's stirring. If your heart is stirring and you're, you're struggling, you can't seem to find that spot, then, then ask him. He's a faithful, good God. And if he's given you something that is good, that means he's gifted you to do that good, and he will give you a way with which to do it and be patient and let him work for his good. 
Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for doing everything. We thank you for bringing us to this space. We thank you for bringing us together. God, forgive us for the ways that we have diminished the value of gathering together because of the way with which your church has kind of done it poorly over the, over the history. God, we, we do not want to lose sight of the fact that the reason why we're breathing today is to bring you glory. God, for, for those of us that maybe have fallen short at loving you in, in, with our heart, our soul, our, our mind, our strength, God, would you, would you give us the ability, the strength to walk into that, to lean into that? If there's areas that we, our minds are too fixated on something because we believe we have a control that we don't, God, would you rip that control from our hands? God, if there's, if there's people in here that, that refuse to give their life to you, God, but want to like you, God, would you just wreak havoc with their hearts? Father, we want to be a place that brings glory and honor to you and nothing else. And so forgive us for the grumbling. Forgive us for being distracted by the things that aren't right or the things that, that maybe aren't there. But God, would you please give us a, a fervent desire to work this out like Philippians 2 tells us to. Would you give us this desire to, to see our brothers and sisters that aren't adopted yet adopted? Would you help us to be broken for the people that are lost? Help us to be broken for the ways that are in our lives that aren't true to who you are, God. Help us to walk in step with you. And God, when we do so, when, when, when there's a glimmer of hope, when there's a moment of seemingly walking with you, God, may we not take the credit and give all the credit to you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that we don't have to trust in our circumstances. We can just trust in your promises. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.